Illinois. It's going to be like a real Rockford. intense interview. It's going to be super intense. Yeah. We've got the electrodes hooked up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't talk about sex. Oh, I, you don't? No. I, that's what I thought we were going to talk about. Because no, you've influenced no, no. like every man I know. Sid, baby, what's the big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you. Just because I want to What's the difference if you turn away I'm gonna die one day Hey everybody, Chris here. Welcome to another edition of Tangentially Speaking. Let me start talking tangentially right away. Tell you what's going on. It's Saturday, uh, July 27th. Uh, you'll probably hear this a few days from now. Uh, since nobody really listens to podcasts on the weekends, I'll throw it up. Monday, I guess. Um, anyway, interesting times up here in Vancouver. We were just uh, on Cortez Island uh, at a friend's place. Actually, you might know the friend, Andrew Weil. I, uh, one of the early episodes of this podcast is with him, Dr. Andrew Weil, guru of all things interesting, including uh, altered states of consciousness, uh, botany, ethnobotany, and most famously, uh, his books about alternative, what he calls complementary medicine. Um, And he calls it that because he wants to be clear that he's not saying don't use Western medicine when it's called for. He's saying that it's not always called for and that there are um, better ways to treat many uh, health situations than surgery or topical steroids or what have you. Um, anyway, Google him, W-E-I-L, Andrew Weil, very interesting guy. And uh, so we were just up there, and then we went camping along some rivers in uh, on, Vic- on um, Vancouver Island, and then we went over to a place called Tofino on the west coast of Vancouver Island, Beautiful, amazing, just clean, funky, beautiful places all along there. If you're not familiar with this part of the world, come check it out if you ever get a chance. And so now we're back in Vancouver, and we're here for a few days, and then it looks like we're going to be cruising up the coast on a friend's yacht, if you can believe that, if you can believe that I've got a friend with a yacht. Um, uh, I do strangely, um, I've got a history of, of like, I, you know how some white people have their token black friend. I have a history of being the token, not rich friend to rich people. I'm not quite sure why that is. I think, I think there's some like highly evolved, instinct that wealthy people get where they can tell if you don't really care much about money and that's a relaxing feeling for them. So for some reason I've had this sequence of um, really kind, generous, open-hearted and very wealthy friends in my life. Um, And it's been it's been an interesting aspect. I mean, if you've heard me tell stories before, you might have heard me talk about when I worked in the Diamond District in New York. I, I've got to write about that someday because that was a very strange and interesting time in my life. There were a few years where I was working for a guy 
in Midtown Manhattan who had basically just inherited, you know, 30 to $50 million worth of real estate. Um, and he hired me to be his personal assistant. And when he offered me the job, I said to him, but there are so many Harvard MBAs who would kill to be your personal assistant and, you know, get these insights into high finance and the, you know, the world of big money, diamond trading and all this stuff. And he said, Chris, how many of your friends studied business in college? I said, none of them did. He said, well, none of mine did either. I don't want to spend all day hanging out with a businessman. I want to be with somebody who doesn't really care about business. And so, you know, enigmatically, the fact that I didn't care about business and didn't really know anything about business and hadn't even had a, taken a math class since high school, which I failed, by the way, uh, was what qualified me to be this guy's personal assistant. So go figure. Add it to the to the list of evidence in favor of the power of not giving a shit. I think that's another theory I'm working out. Anyway, so this friend of ours has a brand new 130 foot yacht with a jacuzzi and a sauna and I don't know how many bedrooms and suites and it's just a fucking crazy it's like a floating casino or something it's incredible so he's taking that up the um, the Canadian coast I think we're going to someplace called Destruction Bay though I hope nothing gets destroyed there uh, for a few days and, uh, yeah, then we're going to be in New York for a while. I'm going to record some podcasts in New York. Uh, I'm going out there to see Josh Fox, the director of Gasland and Gasland 2. If you haven't seen him, check him out. It's His work uh, is bringing attention to the problem of fracking, which I talked about a little bit last uh, episode, so I won't go into that. But fracking is basically the the process of raping the planet in a new way now that we've raped the it's it's sort of the anal rape of environmental disaster uh we've raped the planet in every other possible way so now we're going for the drill sideways and uh pump toxic chemicals into the bedrock and aquifers let's try raping the planet that way now that you know it's gotten kind of boring to just dump oil into the oceans and spew toxic chemicals into the air supply and you know eat away at the ozone layer i mean hey atmospheric pollution is so 20th century so in the 20th century we're gonna drill holes in uh heretofore impenetrable rock layers and pump our shit down into that. So, you know, I don't know what's next. We'll probably, you know, some aspiring, some ambitious engineer at Halliburton will figure out a way to pump toxic chemicals right into the magma at the core of the planet. That'll be a high point for the human species. Anyway, not to get depressed, uh, what else was I going to talk about? Well, this week's guest is Natasha Legero, actress, comedian, and pantsless deviant, it says on her website. It says Natasha, Natasha is an actress and comedian who can be seen regularly on E's top-rated show, Chelsea Lately. 
Uh, she also played Amber in the hit movie, He's Just Not That Into You. And she's in upcoming episodes of Are You There, Chelsea? Premiering on NBC January 2012. <laughs> Natasha, time to update your website, huh? Upcoming episodes in 2012? I don't think so. All right, what else is she in? She's in Ugly Americans. She was in Reno 911. Okay, so far that's the only one of these things I've seen. I'm a big fan of Reno 911. Fantastic, hilarious show. Uh, always, It's always sunny in Philadelphia. The Life and Times of Tim, never seen it. And the Sarah Silverman program. She's been on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, with uh, Craig Ferguson, Carson Daly, and a whole bunch of other shit. So she's a very well-known comedian. She lives in Los Angeles. Uh, I met her because the last episode of this podcast, I went to this house to interview um, Moshe Kasher. And uh, if you haven't heard it, that's a really good episode. Um, Reggie Watts happened to be there. turns out the house is Natasha's house. And Natasha was like, oh, dude, I wanted to talk to you as well, but I got to run. You know, can we do it another time? I'm like, shit, yeah. I showed up thinking I was going to record one podcast with, uh, with Moshe, and I end up talking to three well-known pantsless comedians. It's fantastic. Um, anyway, so this is sort of like a bonus recording that I did a week later with Natasha at the same house, sitting at the same table in the same kitchen, in fact. Uh, I guess that's it. I don't know. What else can I tell you? You know, the normal stuff, which I often forget, uh, you know, go to my uh, website. If you're not listening to this at my website, the website's Chris Ryan PhD. Uh, it's good. You've got photos of guests. You've got some show notes. You've got uh, um, streaming and downloadable um, archives of the tangentially speaking. You also have all the stuff about books and you know my upcoming speaking events and I don't know whatever and all sorts of stuffs on there. So if you uh, want to find out more about me, what's going on, what I'm working on. Um, you can find it at Chris Ryan PhD. You can also order those amazing sex at dawn t-shirts, uh, at that site at sex at uh, Chris Ryan PhD. If you want to find out about the book, if you haven't read sex at dawn and want to pretend you have, or you just want some good cocktail party fodder, go to sex at where you can read a lot about the book, their excerpts and interviews and all that sort of thing. Uh, when you're at Chris Ryan PhD, you can hit the donate button. If you got some spare change lying around, you want to promote tangentially speaking. Um, you can also uh, use our affiliate link at Amazon. If you buy stuff from Amazon, just slide on through that affiliate link, which I believe requires clicking on a bonobo's balls. Click on the bonobo's balls which are very easy to find because they're so damn big. And that'll take you through to Amazon. And then anything you buy on that visit to Amazon, we get a little cut of their money. Uh, what else can I tell you? Uh, as always, many thanks to Carsey Blanton, who wrote uh, and performed Smoke Alarm, the theme song, which you hear at the beginning and the end of the show. Carsey is, I think she's doing a group, uh, what's it called? A crowds, crowdfunded 
um, campaign to get uh, her new to get funding for her new um, album, which is going to be like a jazz, like a kind of a cool, sexy jazz standards from the 30s and 40s, I believe. I don't have the the um, address for that, the URL for that yet, but go to carcyblanton.com. I'm sure she has it there. Uh, I think she's starting the campaign Wednesday. I'll be tweeting about it. Um, you probably follow me on Twitter, or at least know I'm out there. It's Chris Ryan, PhD, Twitter, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll definitely be retweeting her campaign information on that you can also hear this podcast and many others at feralaudio.com including the duncan trussell uh family hour which is great actually duncan and natasha used to live together so if you're into duncan trussell i know a lot of people heard about this podcast because of my appearances on duncan's uh then you probably know natasha because she and duncan used to do a podcast together i believe you'll note that we don't talk about Duncan. I thought it was better not not to talk about ex-boyfriends who are my friends, you know, and all that kind of awkwardness. Um, But uh, yeah, Natasha and Duncan lived together for a while. I don't, I don't really know how long. Also many thanks to sure design t-shirts, our sponsor, our one and only sponsor. Although I don't know, we should be getting more sponsors. We got a lot of listeners now. Thanks to people like you who tell your friends and send links and stuff like that. We're starting to pile up a pretty decent audience, so maybe we'll have uh, even more sponsors soon. But, uh, but definitely, many thanks to Sure Design T-shirts. You know, they're there from the beginning, from the ground floor. They believed in us. <laughs> All that stuff. And uh, to uh, Levi Greenacres, who designed the T-shirt. Very funky design check out his site levigreenacres.com he does some uh, book design as well he has this really cool children's book about tattoos i forget what it's called mommy mommy's new tattoo i think it's called all right i think that's all i have to talk about let me see i've got my oh if you go to suredesigntshirts.com and you put in sex at dawn one word sex at dawn you get 10 percent off I forgot to mention that. They've got lots of cool designs there. So they've got hoodies and all all sorts of sarongs and all sorts of stuff. Every time I I check it out, he's got new stuff there. They're based in Chiang Mai, Thailand, one of the great curry centers of the world. If you you have an account on iTunes, you can always rate and review the podcast. That helps our algorithm. Uh, Let's see. I think I mentioned last week I've got an article coming out in – a special edition of Playboy. I think it comes out in November. And uh, they're doing the A to Z of sex, and they gave me M for monogamy. So uh, I wasn't 100% sure if it had been accepted for publication, but my mom says that uh, we got to check. So if they're paying for it, I guess they're going to use it. So that's good. And, oh, speaking of publications, in this month's Rolling Stone the the very controversial one with the the uh, Boston bomber on the cover and you know all that hullabaloo apparently well not apparently i've seen it there's a a photograph of sting lying back on a divan somewhere uh reading our book sex at dawn very cool sting reading sex at dawn and it looks like he's about halfway through it and uh 
you know, there's a little caption down at the bottom that says staying reading these, you know, the epic anthropology books, Exiton. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty cool. I am pretty happy about that. So yeah, it's funny, you know, the, how the book is sort of filtering out. Um, and we we hear back from, from some people. I think I mentioned previously that Aziz Ansari has read the book uh, and got in touch with us. And, you know, he and I have corresponded a bit about, primate mating behavior and uh who else um oh the canadian actress uh i always forget this woman's name i i it's crazy uh she was in juno let me see what the hell's her name i'm just gonna ellen page that's right ellen page yeah she um she mentioned that she'd read um a book about uh, prehistoric mating behavior or something in an interview somebody forwarded to me. And uh, then we confirmed with her that, yeah, it's our books and she, she enjoyed it. So that's great. Ellen page, Josh Fox sting. Well, we don't know if Sting enjoyed it, but we know he, he got halfway through it or at least pretended to. So that's something. <laughs> that's not nothing all right hey thanks for listening to the podcast i hope you enjoy this conversation um with natasha i did Bye. it's Illinois. gonna be like a real Dr. intense interview it's gonna be super intense yeah we've got the electrodes hooked up uh, <laughs> <laughs> i don't talk about sex oh I, you don't no. I, that's what i thought we were gonna talk about because no, you've influenced no, no. like every man i know oh god into thinking, you know, into, into your like feeling like you're, justified for being a cheating, lying horn no, dog. No. Uh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't really see it like that. But oh, I think good. that it's like, you know, it's. I, I think there's, I think there's new ways of thinking about things. So I'm just interested in like how open I can get my mind. Well, you know, I just uh, before coming over here, uh, I by the way, we're at Natasha's beautiful Italian uh, villa, villa. Via, villa. Yeah, in it, it looks like Tuscany. I look out that window; it does look like Tuscany. There are cypress trees. You know, there's a hillside. There's sort of a vaguely Italian-looking house over it's there. It's like I'm a retired princess. It is. <laughs> Do princesses retire? I mean, they don't work. So I mean, how does a princess retire? I guess a princess, like, I don't know what she would do. Maybe run a home or something. A <laughs> home for fallen princesses. No, she's got to run her own home. Oh, you her know? own she's home. Gotta, like, no, she's got a staff. Come on, I think she's I'm more a of a queen, actually. Queens, queens have work to do. Yeah. Yeah, queens run things, right? Princesses exactly. just sit around and, you know, fret or whatever princesses do. I'm not exactly. sure. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So uh, anyway, before I came over here, I did an interview uh, with a tantric educator. Oh, sort cool. Of. Yeah. Except he's got a sense of humor, which is cool. So he's not like one of those, you know, takes himself a real seriously tantric guys. Um, and what he said was that uh, he opened the interview by saying, that Sex at Dawn had interviewed all the women he knows. So it's funny that you just said that, you know, going the other direction. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, which, what, what kind of women have you... I haven't heard any of your podcasts. I mean, I've heard you on other people's podcasts. I haven't... Right. What kind of women... Like, who, who, are, you in, who are you interviewing? 
Oh, for the podcast? Yeah, like who's he talking about? Oh, no, he was talking about in his circle, like people he knows. The tantric circle. The tantric, <laughs> sex positive, what exactly, LA circle. What exactly, like tantric sex? That is, to yeah. me, that means like transportive sex on like the astral plane. And I've heard people talk about it. That's a good way to put it. And that yeah. so- it sounds real, pretty rad. I think Sting is real into the tantric sex. Yeah, thing. I heard yeah. that, but I've heard other people I've dated talk about like being able to have it. But it seems like there's always one person who mm. is schooled in this right. way. I think that I'm no expert in tantric sex, but my understanding of tantric yoga and tantric sex is that it's it's about uh, recognizing and harnessing libidinous energy as a way to connect to higher spiritual planes. That sounds cool. Yeah. And so for the male perspective, it's largely about not having an orgasm. So being, uh, having intercourse with a woman generally, but, uh, generally there's not a lot of movement. It's just sort of, you know, feeling, experiencing the sensation of your bodies being together and all that, but not like, you know, humping. See, but I feel like people have tried that on me before and I just want to be like, get off of me. <laughs> I think there's something else. I don't think it's just well, going maybe you should be on top. Try. I mean, I oh mean, no, it's not just that, but yeah, you know, that's part of there's it. There's some other shit happening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I'll put you in touch with him. Maybe he'll give you some lessons or something. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure. I've gotten to some oh, good places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where have you gone? No, I'm saying like sexually. Yeah, that's what I'm asking. I mean, you throw that out on the table. I'm going to follow that up, you know. Well, I'm just saying that. Um, I mean, I've been thinking about like your book and, you know, thinking about like I've had conversations with a few friends. And right. It's, it's, I think it's like across the board, like women really do believe in monogamy. You think so? I mean, I think the ones I I know do because I think that there is a place you can get to mm. if you like really want to if you're really sexually attracted to your partner. Yeah. Like, I actually think that might be the only reason to stay with someone mm. is because like you have like this sex chemistry that goes like mm. deeper and deeper. But what I happens- think that's that's like what women think. Yeah, yeah, that could be. Um, but what happens if you develop, a, a, as I think is sort of a typical scenario, you develop a lot of emotional depth with someone that you are initially sexually very attracted to. You live together, maybe you have kids, you know, whatever. You build a life together. But the domesticity and the, the sort of constancy of being in each other's company turns you into siblings, yeah, but that's why you have to, like, make it of primary importance. Well, it doesn't matter how important it is. No, the sex. Right. That's what I'm saying. The, the, you have to, like, give it energy. And you have yeah. to, like, think about it. And, like, because if you're a sexual person, you want to you want to be satisfied continually sure. as well. And you think that's possible with one person over a lifetime? I don't know. I have not experienced that. But that's also why I'm not married. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? All like right. to me, I think that, um, yeah, I know people who have that. I think, yeah. I mean, also though I'm very open-minded, but I mm. do think that like, you know, you can't have everything and right. nobody wants a disease. Right. And nobody wants like, 
emotional, you know, cheating. Yeah. But I do think that you have to give it focus. You can't just like show up in bed and be like, okay, I guess we're going to fuck on Tuesday. Like, if the sex is important to you, it has to be something that you, like, yeah. are kind of passionate about. Right. Right. I don't know. I mean, you're, they agree. You're the rose-eating dogs. Hey, Natasha hey, has a dog hey. that has somehow learned to um, attack the rose garden and peel the individual petals. We can pause. very this. romantic. You Hold on. Hey. Kind of... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cutie has stopped the barking. <laughs> Cutie and what's the other one called? Blanche. Blanche. Yes. That's good. Did the, did you get them together? Um, by the way, are I, they a set? No, they're both straight up street dogs. Oh, really? Blanche was pregnant with five black babies because <laughs> she's you know she's a as you see all white uh-huh. and then she I got her and she was pregnant uh-huh. and um, I, I mean I tried to get the doctor to give her. Really? <laughs> and he was like, it's illegal. he's like, well, this might be good for you. And he's like, there's well, only going to be two babies. He's a very strange vet. He's like, maybe this will be good for you to experience this kind of life. Does he know you very well? I think he is instinctual. An instinctual and I've always vet. felt like he's kind of attracted to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So of. maybe, I don't know. He just told me that and I was like, okay. And he said, there's only going to be two. So I, ner- you know, I, you know, helped her for eight you know however long a dog's pregnant two months or something uh-huh. and then one day she just started howling and out came these like one after the other <laughs> it didn't stop because i was like there's only fun. two and then she'd be like oh she'd like do this howl and then another one would come out and inst- it was very cool to watch because instinctually uh-huh. she just like because on the internet they make you all scared they're like here's what's gonna happen you've got to like make sure that you break the membrane on the little puppy's nose or they're gonna suffocate to death like blanche just figured it all out she knew what to do and she was like not she was like a baby she was like a nine months First old when she got pregnant yeah, yeah. So she just figured it all out it was pretty cool huh. but you know again animals so what'd you do with all five of them? We flushed them. Ah! No, we uh, <laughs> found good homes for them, of course, and now they're beautiful children. Oh, they're on a farm. Yeah, upstate. no, they all have yeah. beautiful homes. Yeah. But yeah. you know, it, it is interesting. But you know, we—it was cool to see that. Yeah. But again, an animal. Uh huh. I am not an animal. You're not. I am, but I have like taste. I have so much more. <laughs> hey, Blanche probably has taste. You have more. Well, that's Blanche does not believe in monogamy. Now, see, I think you're right when you say you're more than an animal, but I think you're wrong when you say I'm not an animal. I'm an animal, and I think that's you know that's where people uh, people get mixed up. I think sex is definitely like an animalistic. If it's done right, yeah. Part right. Right. It's a return. I, you know, I think it's, it sort of it cleanses the brain in a way because it's a return to an animalistic state, you know, can be depending how you do it. Or it can be time. See, that's the thing. The tantric thing is going the other way. Tantric thing is going, you know, physical or a spiritual plane or something. Yeah. Right. As opposed Interesting. to like, you know, just rutting, which is going back the other way. I think it's like cool to, to experience both. I agree. And I also think if you if you feel like with your partner that your brother and sister, because I felt that before and it wasn't the right partner. Boom. That can be. Uh, <laughs> but then there are other things. It can be the right partner. And I've had a lot of relationships. You're too young to have had a lot of relationships. I've had a lot. I've had like. You may have like had a lot of like. I've had a lot of like. No, I've had like a lot of like 
two, three-year relationships. Really? Yeah. Like maybe, I don't know, five hmm. to over two years. Really? Wow. And then maybe like four, one year. Right. And then like a couple, four years. I mean, I've had like right. a lot of relationships. And I've lived with like four people. All at once? Yes. That, well, uh, those are the days. <laughs> you were the center That'd of be a fun. commune, a I would love commune. to have like a comedian commune or something. Oh, God. That would be... <laughs> That would be fun. It, it would be, be fun. Yeah. Better than living with those tantric dopes. And probably more laughs. Yeah, definitely. All right. So you're, we can talk about sex as much as you want, but I want people to know who you are. You're, okay. a, you're a comedian. Or do I say comedian? Do they still say that? No. Yeah. It's like actress. That's out, right? Every, women are actors now. No, women can be an actress. But really? I think a comedian's a comedian. Right. They used to say comedian, right? Yeah. They, they, they also used to say female lawyer. <laughs> but actress is like a real thing. <laughs> That's a good example. Yeah. Okay. Actress is a real thing. Yeah. And I we, don't know why. It just is. Yeah. It's it's weird the way language people are trying to change language. All I the like time. changing language. I think it it's pisses cool. me off. I, it's like I got other shit to think about. You know. Now I can't say waitress. I have to say server. Really? Why? Who's? Oh, is that offended? true? Somebody told me that. Like, oh, it's gender. Blah blah blah. Everything's got to be gender. I always say garçon. <laughs> What's that mean? Doesn't that in mean like French. the the French? It, yeah, like you put your hand. I wonder up. what it actually means in French. Though. It means it's, there's like a, someone who really cares about his job is about to come explain the menu to you. Right, but who can't get fired because they have contracts in France and doesn't give a shit about tips because they get paid a decent wage. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, very different. They're into it there. I love Paris. I do too. I want to go back. Paris is nice. Have you been to Barcelona? No. That's where I've been. I've lived there for twenty two years. Oh really? Yeah. That's where you guys live? Yeah, yeah. So I would, I've heard great things. Yeah, it's kind of sad there now. Uh, the the economic situation has really hit hard. It's the highest unemployment rate in Spanish history. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, so there's a lot of um, sadness and and poverty and so on. But uh, still, it's better than here in that respect because you know people aren't living on the streets. You know they, they have the government uh, thanks to that you know, horrible socialist European government model, people still have health care and, you know, there's a place to stay and food and so on. So even if you're completely down and out, you still have some support. It's not, not as bad as in the, you know, hot chicks there wheeling. too, huh? Hot chicks. Yeah. <laughs> hot chicks. And, and that would be my type if I was a guy. The Spanish chicks. I think so. Yeah. But like Spanish, like, you know, just kind of exotic. Yeah. The Live. Thing that, and it's really, it's a nice, uh, you know. Sophisticated. Genetically. Cute accents. Yeah. And beautiful, <laughs> physically beautiful. Because well, exactly. there's so much mixture of races. You've mm, got North yeah. African, you've got Roman. You know, the Romans were there for a long time. You've got lots of interesting uh, genetic mixes there. But what I love about Spanish women is that they're so uh, comfortable with their sexuality. They're very flirtatious and relaxed and they like playing and they don't they don't feel threatened if a guy is obviously attracted to them. They like that. They it's don't energizing. have possession for their man. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. They can be possessive, but they're also very flirtatious. Everybody's flirtatious. That's kids, cool. kids, old ladies. You'll see a 90 year old woman in a restaurant and she might wink at you or something. It's like <laughs> there's, you know, it's, that's cool. It's really nice. It makes life uh, a lot more fun, actually. Yes, definitely. I think we need to get out of this uptight idea of sex. I mean, things yeah. are things are going to be people are more people are going to be openly gay in this next generation. Right. That's going to help things. Right. 
You know, I, I think that it shouldn't be this scary yeah. thing. Yeah, and uh, circling back to your initial point about people, you know, being, you said people, what, men were affected by our book, is that what you said? Or oh, yeah. Well, no, I think a lot of guys I know, um, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to them that they should just be honest and be able to cheat in these uh, relationships. So just declare that they don't feel comfortable with monogamy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, and maybe that is the case for, for them, but I do think that I, I think you can find like a sex mate yeah. <laughs> that you can go like to deep places with. Sure. Maybe you still have someone else too, if that's like what you need. But I do think that like, you, you know, it's also like hard to not get really fat, but you figure it out. It's hard to not become brother and sister, but you figure it out. It's also hard to not like yeah. smoke pot all day and like go into debauchery, but you figure, you know, you, you make, you use effort to, mm. to, to, to make, to make that happen. Because then I think you have this like really cool, unique place that you can't get from other places. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I, you know, I would argue First of all, you know, our book isn't advocating anything to anybody, right? Okay. It's just information. So do with it what you will. But I think that for most uh, people, men as well as women, there is a dampening effect on um, sexual excitement that happens with extended period of time living together. And I think it's a, it's a built-in genetic mechanism that's there to stop incest, essentially. It's to keep a genetic mixture happening, like what we were talking about in Spain. It's to bring new genes into the mix. So there, there's a thing called the Westermark effect, which is well-demonstrated not only in humans but in other mammals as well, where if um, animals uh, live together when they're babies, then they don't, they're not attracted to each other later. And this is the studies about this were done on kibbutzim, kibbutzes in uh, Israel. Mm-hmm. Right? Kibbutz. Yeah. And uh, kids who grew up together in the kibbutz would never become sexual partners, no matter how attractive they were, you know, objectively or whatever. And even in the cases like, okay, they were together till they were nine and then they went off in different towns and then they met each other later. Still, they were like not, it didn't, there was nothing there, you know. So I think there is a, a mechanism. I think some people have it stronger than others just like any other genetic uh, component to to character and behavior and all that and i think what's interesting is as far as the way men and women deal with these things differently if if you look at societies in which women are uh not threatened and and don't need some sort of man um to help them raise a family or to get them access to food or to protect them or, you know, that kind of thing. If women are independently comfortable, uh, then they're much more sexually open. Women who need or have some sort of traditional need for a man to have access to wealth or protection or status or what have you tend to be much more fixated on sexual monogamy, which makes perfect sense because it's a survival mechanism. You don't think it's innate in women to want to be taken care of? Uh, I think it's and innate protected? in everyone to want to be protected and taken care of and to have the sort of intimacy you were talking about, you know, depth of relationships. I think that's innate in everyone. But I think that, you know, when we put people in a situation where they can only get that from their primary relationship, then that's what they do. 
But if they're in a situation where they can get that from lots of different relationships, then they do that. Just like kids, you look at kids in the Western world, they're raised with one or two parents, right, maximum. Whereas kids in, in more traditional societies in Africa and in the Amazon, a lot of the societies we looked at in the book, they've got a mother. They know that's their biological mother, but they're breastfed by other women. Everybody mm-hmm. is mom and dad and uncle and aunt. You know, they. Ev- that's a more primitive, per- primitive society than what we live well, in. Well, primitive is We very... live in like a pretty sophisticated society. <laughs> well, you know, if you talk to the people from those societies who come to ours, they're shocked at how simplistic we are emotionally how isolated we are emotionally and the way and how brutal we are in terms of how we treat each other there's a a, a case we recount in sex at dawn where there was a jesuit missionary in canada in the 1600s i guess it was and he was um living with indians there trying to convert them to christianity of course and uh, there was a, a big feast, and after the feast, the women were sleeping with different men. There was this sort of orgiastic thing going on. And the missionary was, you know, shocked, and he said to one of the Indians, like, you can't let your women do this. Why would you let your what your wife is sleeping with that guy? And, you know, and the Indians was like, what's the problem? You know, relax, dude. And the missionary said, well, how are you going to know which child is yours and which child is from someone else? And the Indian said, you French are really strange. You only love your own child. (laughs) We love all the children. Right? So, like, when you talk about sophisticated versus primitive. That is a very sophisticated way of being, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. Because it's, see, the thing is. It's very advanced. Well, it depends which direction you're going, right? Right. You know, in terms of advance or Because progress. that's how I feel about, you know, when I read about war or, you know, children being bombed. Like, it doesn't matter if it's right. happening right. in Israel or if it's happening in, Amer- in South Dakota. Right. You know, like, yeah. I, I don't... But I do think some people are more patriotic and, you know, yeah. if, if, think, if things are affecting America, that's all they really care about. I know. And that man. is a very kind of closed... Well, see, to me, that's a very primitive perspective. You're right. Very You're tribal, right. That's, that's true. primitive, un, un, unsophisticated. I heard right after this bombing thing in Boston uh, recently, uh, a guy was on, you know, some guy in the street was interviewed and he said, he said, this sort of thing shouldn't be happening, especially not on American soil. <laughs> What the fuck, dude? American soil. I mean, America's fucked up. Like, what, I, I, you, you told this story on Duncan's podcast um, that I thought was so interesting about. Maybe you can. Uh, oh, about the guy who from a more uh, who lived in a hut or something, and he was asking someone about the house, and he's like, "How many weeks do you have to work to pay for your oh, house?" Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> how many weeks do you have to pay yeah. for your house to an American? They're like. Oh, how many 30 weeks? 30 years. 30 years. Yeah. That's how long. Like like just the, the structure of the yeah. system in America that this is how, how we're living, that it takes you yeah. all, your whole life to pay for your house. When yeah. like someone in another culture just builds it. They get together with their friends and throw it up in a weekend. Yeah. You're not like yeah. slaving. Right. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's very backwards. Well, see, that that's the argument I'm making in the book I'm working on now. It's called Civilized to Death. And it's it's trying to expose the bullshit mm-hmm. about the, that we're all indoctrinated. I in. still can't get a credit card. 
You can't get a credit card? No, I mean, I make good money. Yeah. I haven't had debt in like five years. Why can't you get a credit card? Because I had bad credit five years ago, and I've only been living off of what I have in my account for five years. Like, I just did it very simply. Right. I have one account. It's probably stupid, but like, it's probably bad, you know, to do that with money. But like, I just don't want credit. I like only spending what's in my account. Right. I never want to like at the end of the month have to pay like thousands of dollars uh, penalties and yeah like it's such an easy bullshit. way to live yeah. but still i can't like do certain things that i want to do because i can't right. get credit and it right. just doesn't really make sense it's like they want me to get into debt they want you to get in and the then, system and then i can yeah. get more more things happening right i can buy a house if i right. get into debt right it's just weird yeah you got to play the game But I love that idea of a book that kind of points out some of that ridiculousness because we're just so accustomed to, oh, okay, a house should be a million dollars. That makes sense. Sure. (laughs) I'll pay it off. Yeah, sure you will. Or or I I will spend what I make in a year on a new car. How does that make any sense? Right. People who make, you know, probably $60,000 a year have car payments that for for a car that is about that. Right. Even if your car is half of what you make a year, that doesn't make sense. And so everyone's just kind of getting hustled. I agree. So I think that um, that's, that's another. <laughs> we're getting hustled. Yeah. yeah. It's true. It's the hustle. Just like we're getting hustled by you. By me. <laughs> I'm, I'm no. not much of a hustler. No, I, I do think it makes sense what you're saying. I just, with the, with the brother, sister, like that it, it's been proven that yeah. kind of d- domesticity can really like make, dry yeah. up your pussy. So to speak. <laughs> But I do yeah. think that, you know, what you're saying, because I do think women are made a little differently. And like, if I'm going to start having sex with someone else within a primary relationship, I'm probably going to start to fall in love with them, too. Because yeah. for me to like get yeah. excited and mm-hmm. like really want to be intimate and go to like a place with somebody, um, I'm probably going to have a little crush on them. I'm probably going to like have a small fantasy about mm. a life with them. Right. And I mean, it's just, it's just a little more risky for right. a woman. Right. But I'm, I could be open to it, I guess, but I don't see it like, I, I do think like there's something a man can compartmentalize it a little more yeah. deftly than a woman. I know that there's women who are like, I just want to fuck all the time. I'll fuck anybody. Like, I just want to have an affair. No emotions. But like, I mean, what is that like Kim Cattrall from Sex in the City? Like, ooh, she just wants to fuck and it doesn't right. matter who. And she just wants a hot body. Right. When, the women I know aren't really like that. Like they're artists and they like right. like to like connect. Yeah. So I'm just saying, yeah, you could you can do that. But it's going to be different for the woman than it is for the man. Yeah, you're right. I, th- I think there's probably some component of that that's, bi- that's biological that just has to do with the fact that you know, you're having intercourse with someone, they're in your body as opposed to you being in their body. Yeah. There's something really basic that's yeah. different about that. And the vulnerability. Some stranger I meet at a bar's right. dick inside me. Right, exactly. I mean, unless like... Whereas the stranger at the bar's thinking, man, I'd love to get my <laughs> dick in her. He wants know? to put it in anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a very like receptive kind of vulnerable right. place you have to put yourself in. I mean, maybe yeah. like... I don't know though, but I've had some like evenings with people that have been like evenings really great <laughs> of people i didn't it's, know it was an evening it wasn't a night but i'll tell you what those evenings like if it wasn't like <laughs> in different circumstances uh-huh. i would definitely be having those men over again and again uh-huh you know like 
Because sometimes when I'm... Because they proved themselves worthy. Yeah. Right. Like if I, when I'm traveling, like maybe you'll meet someone. So yeah, it's just going to be like one night. Right. But if they lived here right. and they we were able to have that experience, Booty I don't call. see why it would hap- be, wouldn't start happening right. constantly. But then you, you're saying you'd become emotionally attached to them. I don't even know if I become emotional. Well, I would just be splitting my time. Right. Between the primary sibling relationship and then this new guy who knows how to fuck me real good. Right. And then maybe I would go with him instead. Or maybe you would arrive at a point in your life where you're like, well, look, I've got this great relationship with the guy I live with who I share all this time with and experiences and family. We know, you know, our families know each other, blah, blah, blah. And the thing. All right. What I'm trying. I don't even have time to read a book. How am I going to like start like splitting up my 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 sex and my dates? Well, I mean, if and, you live with the guy, right? That's the domesticity, right? Right, so you but I mean, I, I how do you have time to like harness and organize all that? So you're saying live with the guy and then have that other guy come over and and fuck me? Well, and you, you see the other guy occasionally, and that way, that, what do you call occasionally? Whatever, once a week? whatever works for you and him. I don't know. I I mean, whatever whatever happens. But the point is, the the thing is, I think sex is about closing a gap between people right it's like magnet it's like magnetism right boom it pulls people together but then once they're together it's fulfilled its function that sexual attraction that sort of uh obsession you get with somebody that that hunger you know it's like hunger once you know hunger is to get you to eat then you eat you're not hungry anymore right that's sort of the way it works and I guess what I'm trying to say in the book and, and in interviews and stuff when people raise these sorts of issues is not to blame yourself and not to necessarily conclude that that person is the wrong person for you or that that relationship is flawed in some fundamental way. It's not. It's that you and your partner are a certain kind of animal that's, that have evolved to, to experience certain kinds of hunger. And when that hunger is satisfied... Your evolution makes the hunger go away, just like it does with food, just like you get tired, just, you know, all these cycles of life. So I think the problem a lot of people have in the United States, especially, is that we have this very unrealistic sense of a relationship that we think we're going to be happy forever and we're going to be sexually attracted forever and everything's just going to be fucking great. And we're going to be young forever and beautiful forever and all this shit that we're told, the hustle that you're talking about, right? We're being hustled. And so a lot of people get to a point in the relationship where it's like, you know what? The sex isn't as hot as it used to be. And so maybe it's time to move on then. If that's the kind of life you want, but that's a pretty lonely life. And you can, I mean, people can do that. That's fine. But all I'm trying to say is if you do that, don't say you're doing it because you're a failure and you're bad at relationships or because that guy's an asshole or a loser or, you know, you're doing it because you really love that initial rush that you get with a new person. Fair enough. But let's be honest about it. And I think a lot of people, they have kids, they have a build up a life together and they sacrifice that for this rush. And what they don't, they're not getting is that that rush is going to go away. It's going to go away with the next one and the one after that and the one after that. So if you want depth and, and like a profound relationship, you're not going to get it if you're always chasing that rush. Because it's always like the the carrot. Right. That's so then always, when do you stop chasing that rush? Maybe because that rush is what you're talking about makes sense. But that rush isn't love. 
right? That rush is infatuation, attraction. But it can turn into love. Lots of things can turn for into a, love. For a woman, I think. Well, but I think there's an education that needs to take place where people learn to differentiate between that rush and love. There's a line, oh, I, I don't have a copy of the book here, but there's a line we... I have it right there. You want to see it? Uh, yeah, where is it? Here, we'll pause this and we'll get a copy of the book. All right, we're back. We we grabbed a copy of Sex at Dawn that was lying around here. They're everywhere, these books. Um, this is from uh, Louis de Bernier, I think is how you pronounce it. He wrote Corelli's Mandolin, which was made into a horrible film starring Nicolas Cage. Um, but Sounded good until... Good, good book. He says, love is not breathlessness. It's not excitement. It's not the promulgation of promises of eternal passion. That is just being in love, which any of us can convince ourselves we are. Love itself is what is left over when being in love has burned away. Right? So I think that's the point I'm trying to to get at when I'm encouraging people to reconsider the idea that sexual passion or attraction or whatever, being in love, it's different from love. And the problem is, like I see, we talk in the book about testosterone and how uh, a lot of men, they've been, okay, guys in his 40s, he's been married 20 years, sexually monogamous. The sex life has diminished, of course, as it would with anyone. See, this is the point. No matter how good your marriage is, 20 years, it's not going to be like it was the first year or two. Forget about it. So... And that's and that doesn't mean you're. But isn't a man supposed to be turning his mind to spiritual pursuits like in his fifties anyway? <laughs> He's not supposed to be out like trying to like how, round up some pussy. Why not? I I mean the kind Who says. I mean I I guess that's just what I Talk always to thought. Talk to men in their fifties, and you know, and the point is, shouldn't they be getting serious about? Work oh, should and, is and, and such there. a difficult word. I know you're should. right. You're right. Oh. That's just my fantasy. Yeah. That a man like because I like really smart guys. Yeah. Well, smart and and. You know, pussy hound aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. That's true. <laughs> anyway, uh, so these guys in their 40s, typical situation, right? Guys in his 40s, been married 20 years, blah, blah, blah. Uh, has an affair with his secretary. We've all seen it, right? Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, he's buying the red sports car. He's, you know, working out. He's, you know, get, gets a motor, whatever. He's like... Getting that second win. Right. And here's what's happening. He thinks he's in love. I have to let her in. All right, so wait, you just said. So I was saying, okay, so these guys uh, have an affair with the secretary. Right. And he just buys the sports car. And then he buys the sports car and yada, 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 and he feels like he's in love. And how does he know he's in love? Well, because the colors are richer and flavors are deeper and the music sounds better and all, you know, life has taken on this richness that had faded out for him before, right? Now, what's happening is his testosterone levels are increasing because he's with a different woman, a new woman. And being mm-hmm. with a new woman is one of the things that spikes a guy's testosterone levels, right? Mm-hmm. He's mistaking that hormonal surge for love. Mm-hmm. So what's he do? He divorces his wife. He walks away from his family. He marries this secretary that he thinks he's in love with. Is and- this Mad Men? <laughs> it's every show ever, right? <laughs> yeah, Mad Men's a good example. And But then where is he two or three years later? In the same place, except now he's with someone who's probably far less compatible and interesting than the woman he left. His kids hate him. He's lost half his money. 
you know, he's spiraling down the fucking toilet. Which is why he should just be focused on spiritual. <laughs> Which is why we need to understand the difference between attraction and love. That's what I'm saying. Between that surface yes. rush and love. Being in love and loving. Two different things. Right. According to Corelli's Mandolin. And then Milan Kundera, another great writer about these issues and the unbearable lightness of being, he said sort of similar idea he said making love with a woman and sleeping with a woman are two separate passions love does not make itself felt in the desire for copulation a desire that extends to an infinite number of women but in the desire for shared sleep a desire which is generally limited to one woman so again it's intimacy versus attraction right you ever read that, The Unbearable Lightness you of You know, it's being? funny. Uh, someone just gave it to me like two days ago. Really? Yeah, it, so I have it. It's one of my favorite novels. It's very deep in terms of how men and women sort of look at these things differently, experience stuff differently. Yeah, I'll read it. I yeah. mean, I, I'm, I'm very open. I think, I think people are changing and things are changing. And, yeah. you know, there is like this leftover Victorian feeling to, to all of it. So I'm yeah. open. I just know like how I am. Well, see, I think that's, that's wisdom. Know how you are and and live your life accordingly. The only piece of advice I ever give when people write to me or whatever asking for advice, I don't like giving advice, but the only piece of advice I give to young people is identify your non-negotiables and then don't negotiate. Right. But sometimes, like, I mean, when you're very open-minded, I, I, that's why I don't have any tattoos. Like, I am always changing. Hmm. Like, I'm always, like, trying to learn more and reassess. So. Right. I understand the idea of non-negotiables, but I was talking to my girlfriend and she said that her mother, um, her dad came to her mom and said, uh, I think I'm in love with my doubles partner, his, his tennis partner. Mixed doubles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she said that her mom said, okay, well, she's like very no nonsense. She's like, well, here's what's going to happen. Like you can leave me for her and, um, you know, you can see the kids once a week and you can't live here and um, just let me know what your decision is. <laughs> and then he came back like two weeks later and he's like, I don't think I'm in love with her. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I think that there does have to be, you know, through withholding, you can get to greater places. So I, I do think there is I don't know where you ever get if you're constantly getting a new wife and a new car and getting that exactly. that rush. So now, I do think you, if, if you pick someone who you really want to fuck the shit out of, <laughs> I think that you can at least last like a, a, a good while and then maybe together you'll find other partners and you'll move on. I don't know, move but I move on together or move on separately. Move on separately, oh. move on together. I don't know, see yeah. where it is, but I right. think kind of setting it up that like, well, we're going to get domestic domestic, so I guess I'll just start fucking that guy from, you know, England who or wherever you were. Or you know, I'm saying like uh-huh. some Barcelona, mm-hmm. you know. I I think that it's just like real slippery. Yeah. Yeah, it's all slippery. It's sex. Of course it's slippery. <laughs> How's it not going to be? But wait a minute. We, we still haven't talked about you. Like, who are you? Why? I'm a comedian. You're a comedian. But I'm very exactly. interested in, like, I'm very interested in, like, um, what's happening, you know, with, with women right now. I think yeah. there's, like, still, like, men are trying to oppress women. Like, the fact you're that. funny. I think you're the first comedian I've ever spoken to who doesn't want to talk about being a comedian. 
That, that's that's interesting. The others have all been. I talk men. about that all day. Oh, okay. I so mean, you're... I don't know. I I do podcasts all day long. Oh, where people are like, tell me about your process. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I can talk about being no. a comedian, but yeah. I mean, I am talking. About anything you but want. I'm talking about being a comedian because it's kind of like this is where I'm I'm interested right now in the yeah. idea that like like there's still legislation happening yeah. with our reproductive rights. Like that's going the wrong direction. Insane. Yeah. That yeah. that is happening right now. Men asserting their authority their their uh, property rights over women on our pussies yeah that's like you know i, I think yeah. we and there's already been court cases 50 years ago and imagine how how much we've grown since then yeah before the the 60s happened we already had that legislation and now it's it's like resurfacing. Yeah. So I think that this is a really interesting time for women to like yeah. get involved in like what's happening and what are men saying we should be doing and, and how do we feel about it? I think I may be wrong, uh, but I think that what's happening in that area is the last gasp of the right wing. Yeah, that, that I hope. They're done. They know they're done. It's the country's moved on. There are a couple old assholes in the Supreme Court who are asserting their, you know. It's their, like network television. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like on or, its last or gasp. publishing, you know. Yeah, everything's this. changing. That's why it's such so a cool time. So. And the thing is, the way they're in, in, you know, the music industry, network television, publishing, the Supreme Court politics, the way they're all responding to this tidal wave that's just blowing across the planet is by digging in their heels and saying, no, we're not going to change at all. Cause to change even a little bit in their direction would like, we'd lose everything. So fine. You'll just get swept away. You know, eventually it might take a little longer, but not much. I think it's important right now too, for women to really think about what they want as opposed yeah. to like trying to be cool. Right. Like I'm cool. Like I'm super open. Hmm. I'm like, I could get into a lot of different stuff. But also I think it's important that I really think about. Sure. Because I think women will try to expand their minds for men. You know, in the sense that like, you know, they all of a sudden they like sports and, you know, yeah, let's do a three-way and let's drink beer and let's like, you know, let me burp and I'm just fucking cool. (laughs) But really like, what do you want? Because we don't really need men in the same way we used to. Right. We make the same amount of money. We all have to work. We can have babies on our own, like until we're 60, if we really want to. That's important. We're living to 90. So it's like you have all these new, like this is, I think we're entering a a like a century for women right Mm. now. And I think things are going to, start shifting and you know i think it's important for women to not uh sublimate is that the right word what they really want right because i think you can have it yeah like i know a lot of fucking hot ass women and it's like why not just like set your turn no i mean yeah probably some of them but yeah, oh, I think and like women powerful fart. women, Come like on. powerful women, you yeah. know, and I think women have these like very like what woman woman can bring to the table that man wants. Like, yeah, man wants to like stick his penis in everything. But <laughs> no, he does. It's true. Not everything. Not the refrigerator. They want to they want to stick it in like a a, a little like um, thing they keep in the shower, you know, like one of those like fake vaginas what are those oh, things called a fleshlight yeah like one of those like it just doesn't matter it's just like they need to stick it in something <laughs> it's so different than like a woman did, do you have lots of brothers or something did you grow up in a house full of men i've had a lot of boyfriends i've lived with as brothers i guess <laughs> but well i mean i i know i know a lot of men but yeah. um 
But my point <laughs> is that what a woman brings uh-huh. to the table that a man can't have on his own right. is this ability to create this like domestic tabernacle of like <laughs> greatness, you know? A and domestic they, tabernacle of great. What the I don't hell know. I just that? I just kind of made that up. Domestic, like you know, home. Oh, you know they 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 can like create help help you have like so you're saying men don't know how to decorate is that your point yeah i am saying that have you ever it's met not a gay just, man it's not yeah i've dated uh-huh. some really and they could decorate i'll bet they were cleaner than the other ones <laughs> i will give you that <laughs> it was a more enjoyable domestic <laughs> partnership gay men? tell me about that no thanks oh, that sounds that's interesting private. Okay. that's private okay. but what i'm telling you is that i think that men like i know a lot of men not mm. a lot but i know that there are are some of my old friends like yeah. men who are in their 30s now right. and they're kind of like freaking out a little bit and they mm. they they don't want to just like keep having random sex like they definitely uh, want right. to have this feeling of like relationship and right. home sure. and you know a family of a certain kind and like a place yeah. to kind of come home to and but not just sitting in their that? in their sweat box like surfing the internet yeah yeah but I do think their it's a weird dicks into random things. But but for women right now, I think women can freak out like in their thirties. They're like, I need to find a man. I need to find my partner. What am I going to do? And it's like, meanwhile, men who are thirty eight are barely ready for pet ownership. <laughs> like this is who we're supposed to be like giving yeah. this up to. So yeah. I just think it's a great time for women to like hold out, right? And like wait till you find the person who's like super, you know, right for you hmm. and into you and. See where you see where you what can if, take what it. What if you don't? I mean, what if you what if you don't ever get a job? What if you don't yeah. ever have a baby? I don't know. I mean, this, I'm just saying. You know, there's the norm, but then there's like trying to go past that and see right. like where can you, how far can you get in like life? Like, yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. And I mean, spiritually, yeah, yeah, and yeah, and, and relationships. I think come when you're on that path, you know, you meet the right people when you're doing what you want to do, as opposed to, you know, looking for the right person. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like the advice, the the dating advice, like you want to meet somebody like get hobbies, do things that you like doing. So if you like painting, like take a fucking painting class, because maybe you're going to meet a guy in that class who's got at least one thing in common with you, right? He likes painting or whatever it is you're into. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you that it's more important to sort of pursue your bliss, to use a cliche, than it is to look for someone to pursue it with. Because you don't have to, to eat anyway. Like the whole to. idea exactly. of like, do it yourself. You've got so you do have time, and people yeah. you can look good for longer. Like mm. I, I just don't think there's that. The people I know who got married young, like they all kind of seem like they're in hell. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> and they seem like brother and sister too. Well, that's, yeah, that happens. That definitely happens. Did I get too serious? No, no. You, you I just, was, no... I was, I was anticipating this podcast for a couple of days. So I was like talking to some of my friends about oh, it. So I was like, sort of gearing up. I've really been like thinking about it. Cause I, I think it's, I mean, I, I do think it would be nice to have like an open situation. I, I think ideally I, hmm. it's very idealistic uh-huh. and I like the idea of it. I just, every time I try to like put my mind around it, it seems, it seems like, messy you know it reminds the, me of when i like, yeah. cheated on people well but see and the, that it's was, different like, though so if you're not lying 
You know, it's not cheating if you're not lying. You know, polyamory is mm-hmm. right. Well, polyamorous say, look, we do the same thing everyone else does. We just don't lie about it, right? So you think the Mormons are right? Well, Mormons aren't polyamorous. <laughs> Mormons are polygamous. Right, that's right. different. Um, we do the. I'm sorry, we do the same thing as everyone else. We just but do we it. don't lie about it. Oh, I see. So we've got a primary relationship that's more important, that's more long lasting, and yada yada yada. But then we also have, you know, occasional secondary relationships that come and go and maybe some would be stable over time. So, you know, it depends. But the difference is we don't lie about it. It's all on the table and everybody knows and everybody has a choice to accept or not accept the situation. So it's not got that manipulative, deceptive, deceitful angle. Right. So it's not cheating. It's incorporating different levels into a relationship, which my you know, I, as I said, I've got no agenda. I've got no, you know, dog in this fight. But the only thing I want people to do is talk about this shit. You know, like, for example, you meet somebody, you're in your mid-20s and you meet somebody, you're heterosexual. One of the, once it becomes clear that you want to pursue a relationship with each other, one of the things you're going to talk about is whether or not you want kids, right? You got to get that out early. Because if, she wants kids and he doesn't. Sometimes you don't know if you want kids and you might, you might not want, you know, if you can meet someone you think would be a good father, maybe. But Fine. But whatever, whatever your position is, you're going to talk about it is what I'm saying. Right. right? You're not going to like go five years down the relationship and like, oh, by the way, I, did I mention I don't want kids? You know, you're not, that's a stupid way to I think I've done that, but yes. <laughs> maybe not five years down, but definitely... <laughs> Several. Well, it is, you know, it's his fault, too, because he should have asked. You know, I mean, if it's right. important, get it on the table is what I'm right. saying. So I think all these issues are things that people are going to be better off if we can talk about them openly. So I think, you know, what's happened with our book and the impact it's had that I'm very grateful for is that both men and women have felt empowered to say, look, I want to talk about this. You know, this is something that I need to, to be clear and honest about without being ashamed. Because I tell you, we get two thirds of the emails we get are from women. They're not from men. They're from women saying, thank you. I felt empowered by this. I feel, I thought I was sick. I thought the fact that I got bored with one guy after a while sexually, despite the fact that I continued to love him, meant there was something wrong with me. And reading your book, I feel like, no, there's nothing wrong with me. Or I get letters from women saying, I thought my mother was some sort of crazy slut because she didn't want to stay with my dad after 20 years or whatever. Now I see she's she's just trying to feel alive. She's just trying to be a human being. And the fact is human beings are the horniest animals on the planet. Really? Oh, yeah. By far. We have sex about a thousand times per birth, right? Your dogs or rabbits or any mammal you care to name, generally, uh, the typical rate would be about a dozen times per birth. Most mammals only have sex when the female's ovulating. So sex is about reproduction. Human beings, humans, chimps, bonobos, who are the two primates most closely related to us, and dolphins are the only other mammals that have sex just for fun. And humans are the most extreme of them. We have sex when the woman's already pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. We have anal sex, oral sex, all these things that can't possibly result in pregnancy. We have sex when the woman's postmenopausal, when she's menstruating. We have sex all the time in all these different configurations that have nothing to do with reproduction. That's extremely unusual 
in the animal kingdom. So when people say, oh, you fuck like an animal. No, animals are embarrassed by the <laughs> way we fuck, you know, and then the amount of fucking that we do. We're the we're the crazy horny. I know Blanche did not enjoy getting raped under some car <laughs> when she came to me with those five babies Aww. in her stomach. How do you know that? I could tell. She seemed shattered. She, she... <laughs> but yeah, that was Blanche. not out of pleasure. Is that what you call her, Blanche? Was it the uh, cat on a seem hat? Like she... Wait, what was the Blanche Dubois? She's more of a Blanche Devereaux. Oh, who's that? That's from Golden Girls. Oh, she was also oh, okay. very horny. Oh, I never watched Golden Girls. It's a great piece of. That's the thing. When you live out of the country, American you miss so much history. culture. I know. I know. It I, is culture for us, actually, Golden Girls. Yeah. Who, but that was a spinoff. No, that wasn't. That was. Wasn't that Maud? Wasn't Maud well, one of the Golden Girls? Maud was starring Arthur. Right. She was, that was a spinoff from something else, like Mary Tyler Moore. Or yeah. Or the. Or the the all Arthur's in the been family. working in television for a very long time. Yes, yeah. all in the family. I that's think right. she was the neighbor or something. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But I, I do think it's interesting that you're saying it's not lying, but it's still like, I, even if I, given, like I look at like my dad, like he, I think he cheats, like he just says it, you know, and he's like, you can't take the spots off the leopard. <laughs> and I think that okay. that right. is, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think yeah. that there's questions of discipline and integrity and, sure. and I think that. I don't know, like, when you think of what makes a man, I think that, you know, there is a a quality that I would like in, like, a partner that maybe wouldn't just, like, I don't know. I mean, I... You're like, well, I'm telling you the truth. I'm going to go fuck this girl every Tuesday. I don't know. I don't know if I could get with that. Fair enough. You know... All this stuff is very interesting because on some level, as I started to say earlier, I think there are biological differences, very essential differences between men and women on these issues. But then a lot of it's cultural as well. And it's very hard Mm. to tease out what part of it is cultural, what part of it isn't, which is what we try to do in the book by looking at all these different cultures and saying, okay, you know, are there cultures where women sleep with as many people as men do? You know, where they're free to, what do they do when there's no shame or danger or whatever? Free love. Does it exist? I'd like to get into it. I mean, I I see that it could be like illuminating. Yeah. But, you know, even if you understand it on an intellectual level, still you come from where you come from and you're shaped by what shaped you. So, you know, I often think like in terms of food, right? Like I understand that insects are perfectly viable food source and healthy and low fat and yada, yada, yada. But it grosses me out to eat insects, right? Or sheep brains or, you know, liver or whatever. I I understand. There's no reason I'm being stupid. I'm being narrow-minded. I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. But hey, that's the way I am. So I certainly understand people say, okay, look, I get it. I understand like, yeah, monogamy is this cultural, economic institution, yada, yada, yada. But it's what I need. Fine. Well, I don't know if I need it, but I do think that first, the first order of business Mm. in a partnership should be you like really want to fuck that person. Hmm. And I think that that is, that's definitely been, it's definitely nothing. He said a bad word. (laughs) No, I forgot I was on a podcast. (laughs) Did you? (laughs) 
<laughs> That's a good sign of a podcast, I think. Or sign of a good I forgot podcast. this was getting blasted to... No, we, we can edit that out if you want. No, but that, no, no, no. I didn't that, say anything. No, you didn't I say anything that, radical. Um, yeah. I just think that, you know, wanting to <laughs> wanting to fuck your partner is, is important. It's good. And I think yeah. that, you know, then see where it goes, but... Um, yeah, maybe they get to do it once in a while with someone else, but I think that needs to be like major, like a birthday thing or something. Limits yeah. to that. Yeah, you know, people who just just for your own like, um, for your own like regard, like you All know, right, like, so where's like, the line? Like what, I have, I have a reputation. Like Dude. I cert- well, yeah, everybody does. But oh, like, oh, okay. I would certainly feel like diminished if like a man I was married to was at a bar. Uh-huh. Trying to fuck some other girl, and my friend saw. Right, that would make me feel like like I like less than. Right, because I would feel even though it's free love, and you know I'm doing it too. It's still like, I don't know. I find it. I find it a little um, disempowering. So where's the line uh, for you? I don't know. I think we have to like create that. Like if you're in a relationship up. with a guy and he's he looks at porn. Do you, oh, do you feel bad about that? No. No. Of course not. Some women do. Well, that yeah. they Some have a problem. Some women consider that cheating. What? Sure. What kind of women think that's cheating? You would have to be like okay, so straight up Christian. Really? Okay. <laughs> so what kind of women think that's think that's cheating? Well, women who who think that their control over the man's behavior extends to his porn nah. behavior. Right, you're saying it extends to the bar. Some women say it extends. I would say to... it extends to the public sphere. I would. I would not want the guy I was dating to be coming on to people in a public way. All right. So what about or... uh, video chat? Hmm. What does that mean? You know, he's like online with a woman on the other end, and they're you know masturbating together. And... Oh, is that a thing they do? Oh yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I because it's with another this, person. Is this like at the beginning stages of a relationship, or like twenty years in? Well, I'm just trying to get at like you know the point is that that it's hard to talk about these things because everybody defines these li- these boundaries differently. You know what? Con- some women, for example, and some men, if your partner's thinking about someone else when you're having sex, that's a betrayal. How would you ever know that? Well, if they mention it, you know. Right. God, your sister's so hot. You know, that that would be... <laughs> I mean, that seems pretty natural. Oh, really? I mean, it, does, that... it, seems, it seems weird to say that, but yeah, obviously I think about things. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sex. Oh, you think about things other than the guy you're having sex Sometimes. with? Sometimes. Right. Who doesn't? I mean, yeah. I think trying to get someone's humanity out of them would be a little, a, a little unfair. Well, those are the spots on the leopard, right? The humanity. Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, people define these things differently. I certainly, I'm with you 100% as far as deceit and that kind of shit goes. But every to me, everything else is on the table, you know? And including the idea that a relationship that ends is a failure. You know who Margaret Mead was? Mm-hmm. The great anthropologist. She uh, was married four times, I think, three or four times, to three really interesting guys, famous, interesting scientists in their own right. And um, one time at a press conference, she was talking about, uh, you know, she wrote this book, Coming of Age in Samoa, which sort of revolutionized 
people's understanding of human sexuality in the 20s because she argued in the book that on Samoa, girls grew up with a very free, open attitude towards sex and they didn't have the sort of shame and fear and all that kind of stuff that everyone at that point assumed was purely biological and inescapable and unavoidable. So she started this dialogue that we're continuing now. Anyway, she, somebody said to her at this press conference, you've, you've been in three failed marriages. You know, how can you like give your opinion about marriage and so on? And she said, excuse me, I've been married to three wonderful men, all each of whom is still my friend, none of those marriages was a failure. Yeah, and the only reason they got married is because it was the 20s, and that's what people did. I mean, it, right now, it would have been, it's been relationships. Good point. Yeah, yeah so I, I, I totally yeah. agree with that. I think that's true. But I do think that um, the, like, my friend is getting married, and she said that she and her husband have a thing, or her fiance, whatever you call it. They have a thing where once every five years, they can have sex with somebody else. Once every five years, the five year itch. Like only one time? I guess. The five-year plan. That's downright Stalinist. <laughs> it's interesting. It is interesting that they've built something into it. Yeah. I yeah. mean, who knows if they'll do it. But yeah. I do think that, you know, like I was at a, I was at a strip club with a, with a comedian friend. And they were like, oh, that stripper's so hot. That stripper's so hot. I just want to talk to her. You know, like you could tell they were just kind of getting... A little hot for her, you know, right. and I could tell like that she was not hot. Like I, right. I could see it, but they, you know, they were just like, whatever they couldn't. So then she came outside and was smoking a cigarette and then we came up to talk to her and you know, the comedian was like getting all ready and like put, put a breath mint in and, <laughs> to, and she's smoking like she's, she's gonna smoking yeah. and she's disgusting. Right. And you could just see like how disheartening it was to yeah. like see the daylight of it all. Yeah. And I, I really think of that as uh, what it's like a lot of this. It like seems really good and right. hot and it's getting yeah. you fucking excited. And right. then the daylight is like her breath is fucking disgusting. <laughs> her skin, she's 22 and her skin's already oh, like sagging no. off her face. Uh, We're not, let's not even get into what's in happening in her right, pussy area. Right. So I'm just saying, like, the daylight gets shown. Right. And so you really are better off in a way. Like like what my friend's mom said, you know, like, here's what's going to happen. You can go marry your yeah. tennis partner, but, you know, this and this and this is going to be the new life. And then they think, no. That yeah, being said, okay, I still think there are, right. like, ways of looking at it and maybe ways, maybe you do, you know, have sex with someone else once a year or whatever or mm. Or once every five years. When you're at conferences. I don't know. I yeah, that's ma- but, people go to conferences. Uh, yeah, but I, I think there's got to be like some res- like restrictions to that. Yeah, well, different cultures have different restrictions. There's a book called Lust in Translation mm-hmm. by Pamela Druckerman, uh, where she looks at different cultures and what they consider cheating or not cheating. And she finds really interesting things. Like in Russia, if it happens on your summer vacation, it doesn't count. Really? Right. That's kind of cool. Right. Or in But like, then how do you how do you like if you go crazy on your summer vacation, how does that not like a gateway to Cuz cuz you understand that that's the way you were raised. The culture is what happens on summer vacation stays on summer vacation. I like that. You know? So it's like there are summer agreed va- upon... Do we have a summer vacation? We don't even have vacations. <laughs> well, we Americans don't live in Russia. Americans go on vacation yeah. for four years. I think if you lived in Russia... You'd they, need a vacation. Yeah, would be like, oh, two weeks of sunshine. Uh, yeah. There, what were some other ones? In Japan, if you pay for it, it doesn't count, which... 
Whoa. works both ways. I remember in Thailand, I was amazed to to learn they're that... They're pretty desensitized there. In Thailand? Yeah. Well, you know, there are different rules there as well, but I was surprised so, to yeah, learn... Yeah, you can be like a prostitute there and have a family. <laughs> Not with a Thai guy. No. Oh, really? Yeah, you, you make a choice. You're either a prostitute or you can marry a Thai man, not both. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. They're Wait, pretty so conservative. What yeah. do they consider cheating? Well, what I was going to say is that in Thailand, I learned that the Japanese charter flights, uh, like an entire flight of women, will come to Thailand for sex. Women. And that that, is, that doesn't count because they pay for it. So they can go back home and everything's cool. There's a whole industry around the world that a lot of people don't know about of women paying for sex. In Jamaica. It's Why called, do women have to pay for sex? It's called renta rasta in, in Jamaica. Um, because they want to. Because they like it. Because the you know men treat them better. Because they're better lovers. Because you know they like to... You know, whatever they can't back home in Dusseldorf, uh, all their friends would see them and whatever. They can't just like go hang out and have a sexual time. So Bali is a big place. Uh, there's a place in Africa. I don't remember if it's Senegal or Ivory Coast, one, one of the West Africa. There are like four or five places around the world that lots of middle aged European and North American women will go to. Cuba also is a big place. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, and women, you know, paid for sex. You know how the vibrator was invented. Mm-mm. Well, the, uh, have you heard of hysteria? Mm-hmm. Okay, hysteria. Well, they used to diagnose women with hysteria when they didn't know what was wrong. They probably had ADD. Well, I'll tell you what they had. They had sexual frustration. Mm. Because hysteria is the earliest documented disease in the It was an literature. overdiagnosed thing with women. Sure. It's, it's, yeah, it is right. like our ADD in a way. Yeah, or or like any woman that was like yeah. you know depressed or whatever, they were like, oh, she's fibromyalgia, or, yeah, yeah. There are all these sort of uh, free floating diagnoses that are basically you know a lot of them are just discontent, you know. But the the um, uh, symptoms of hysteria were uh, sleeplessness, moodiness, you know, sudden fits of crying, overall body ache, etc. And the way it was treated is the woman would go to the doctor, and this is like for centuries but in the late 19th early 20th century this was the number one reason for a woman to go to a doctor in the uk and the us where records were kept so this is a huge cash cow for doctors so a woman goes to a doctor he puts her in the stirrups two fingers inside the hand outside a massage it's got a vulvular massage until she has a nervous paroxysm sounds hot right and then she would show up again, you know, for another treatment in a week or a month or whatever she could afford. Perfect disease. Nobody dies. Nobody gets better. You just have patients that lined up out the block, right? So these doctors were thinking, like, how can, how can I make more money? I can only treat one woman at a time. My shoulder hurts. My arm, I got tennis elbow. Everything's a mess. So they talked to some engineers. This is, you know, 1890s, 1900. And they invented a machine that could do this. To get rid of that tension. The vibrator. Right. The first vibrators were like these diesel-powered things hanging on chains. So women were just horny? Women weren't getting fucked. Right. Because the the morality of the day said, you don't fuck your wife. You only fuck your wife to have kids. Because women don't enjoy sex. They don't need sex. I mean, they used to tell women that... 
if they read a college level book, their ovaries would shrink. Right. At the turn of the century. Yeah. So it's like we're still and, and just and you even can't masturbate either. Because right. that's a sin and that's a crime and you'll go crazy. So even now for women, you know, and now they're still like a hundred years later telling us that we can't in, in Idaho, if you live in I think it's Idaho, North Dakota, South Dakota, one of these places. Well, they just passed that you still cannot get an abortion anywhere right. if you are raped by a homeless man. Right. You still have to carry his child. Right. And that is just insanity. Yeah. So I think yeah. women are still, there's still like a lot that needs to be uncovered and discovered yeah. and figured out. I agree. And I don't know if the answer is um, letting our husbands <laughs> go fuck whoever they want at a bar. <laughs> During yeah. our relationship, that's probably not the answer to anything. Yeah, no, but I could see where it would be fun, where you would try to get people to think that. Yeah, where I would. <laughs> I'm not selling that. <laughs> All right. Well, listen. Thank you. I know you've got places to go, people to see. Thank you for chatting. This is fun. Thanks for coming over. Did you have fun? Yeah, I want to have. I want to have like some of my gals over. We got. We got to like get into thing. this more. Well, I'll tell you what. If we figure out how to use that mixing board there, okay, then we can do like come a, back over? a group thing. I'll I'll be coming in from Vancouver, but I, I mean, will, I yeah. think this is an important conversation, and I, agree. I think there's a lot of point counterpoint to be had, and I also think that um, there's. I think I think women are also at a place where we are more open than men. And I think that we can be convinced of things. It just has to be, it has to be, it has to make sense. You know, this guy I was talking to earlier, I was doing a video recording for his site, the tantric guy Uh I mentioned. And one of the questions he asked me was, he said, uh, I told you, he said like this book, everyone who initially told me about your book was a woman, right? All these women were saying, you got to read this book. Lawrence, you got to read this book. Uh, and he said, what, what is it that you, uh, why did you connect with, why did this book connect with women? What, what's it touching in them that people need to know about? And I said, look, you know, cause his audience is ma- mainly men. I think I said, the thing that men need to understand, if you want women to be more sexual and relaxed, you know, free with their sexuality, you need to make them feel safe and respected. That's if you don't do that, forget about it. Yeah. I'm like a totally different person if I feel that. Right. Then if That's I'm just like step. not feeling that and right. just trying to like yeah. Get off or whatever. Right. And that's, I mean, orgasmic, you know, issues with women who have trouble with orgasm. The, you know, what they say to therapists is that they can't let go. You say let go of what? Like they'll get right there, but they can't let go. Let go of what? Control. Why can't you let go of control? Because you feel vulnerable. You don't feel safe. You don't feel protected. You don't feel, you know, someone will judge you or whatever it is. There's a voice that's saying, don't let go. Don't let go. You know, something will happen. Right. And so the essential move that men need to make, whether you're getting laid or not, is to create a society in which women are safe and respected and independent and feel empowered that's it if you don't do that forget about it you think it's up to men to do that i think it's up to everyone to do that and i think it's in men what men need to understand is it's in their interest to do that because then they'll get laid more and it'll be better and that's what they care about if that's you know if they're running around looking for something to stick their dick in that'll you know that's their motivation you know 
So I think it's it's to everyone's benefit if that happens. And all you ladies out there who feel like your siblings with your husband I want you to take him into the bathroom. <laughs> piss on his face <laughs> do something different mix it up uh, not you mom <laughs> my mother listens to this oh okay you can edit my mom my mom will too probably <laughs> does your mom listen to your podcast my dad does really yeah does that make you kind of squeegee i don't care yeah yeah i try not to think about it i mean it, it, otherwise it just gets it just gets into your skin and gets weird i mean, I, I love my parents and they're very non-judgmental and everything and you know whatever. i think a podcast to me the point of podcast like if you want to see my stand up you can come see my stand up but yeah. to me the point of podcast yeah. is to like really like get into subjects in right. a way that you don't usually get to get into and right. also you know it's it's heightened because it's like a it's like a great conversation but it's you know, it's, it's mic'd. So y- you are giving it your all. Like I have yeah. to check my phone and right. I'm really trying to like devote myself <laughs> to this conversation. So I think it's I like, appreciate that. it's uh, a, yeah. it's cool, but yeah, don't, don't pee on your wives or do, or do whatever, or do, you're whatever into. they're into. Yeah, exactly. Whatever works, but do it. If you're going to do it, do it in the bathroom. That's probably the place. Do it to in do the it. bathroom or yeah. just do or it in, in the, the backyard bathroom. or in the backyard. If yes. you have privacy. Yes. Yeah. As long as, yeah, not on a carpet is what we're saying. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So is that the, the note we're going to leave on? Wow. We're going to leave with the, the smell of urine in the air. I don't know. Is there anything else you want to say? Well, come see me at the... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, Plug I, yourself. I don't what, have what's, anything. What's your podcast called? I don't have a podcast. Come on. I'm the only comedian don't without a podcast. Cold. I don't have one. Really? So when you said you're doing all these podcasts, you mean other people's podcasts? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you meant... I don't have idea. time to do my own podcast. I have you so do. many podcasts to do. Right. Other people's. You're a podcast slut. You're just like flitting from one podcast to another. I mean, I don't like it, but I, I'm trying to like get into it. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. I'm a newbie, you know? As you can probably tell, I'm just, I'm undisciplined. Can we find a woman who agrees with you? There are a lot of women who agree with me. I would love to like, I would love to talk to I'll tell you a great story. uh, Talking about people send emails to us and stuff. There is a woman in Idaho, speaking of Idaho. uh, She sent me an email and then we've, we've become friends over time. Um, She and her, she was young. She she and her husband are in their mid thirties, I think. Had a couple of kids. You know, seven, ten years old, something like that. And um, they married young and they really love each other. They have a good relationship, but eh, you know, sort of started to lose some, you know, whatever. It, it took the course that all relationships take. And uh, she had an affair with a guy and fell in love with a guy. And she told her husband. And it was like, you know, this case, the doubles partner that you talked about. And the husband was like, well, I guess we're going to get divorced. You know, neither one of them were happy about it, but that's what you do, right? So they got divorced, um, continued to live in the same town so they could see the kids, share the kids. And the woman kept seeing the guy she'd had the affair with. And then one day she and her ex-husband had lunch. And both of them had been given copies of Sex at Dawn by different friends independently. And they'd read the book and the book came up at lunch and they started talking and they concluded they didn't really need to be divorced. That's cool. They got remarried. 
Wow. Right. She writes a blog on Psychology Today called... And does she still fuck that guy? Marry, Divorce, Reconcile. I believe so. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You can read. Anyone who's interested can look her up on um, Psychology Today. Yeah. There's a lot of ways to be. Right. Right. And, you know, as I said, uh, the majority of the mail we get from people is from women saying, finally, thank you, you know, for normalizing what I feel. So I think, you know... I get emails from guys saying, oh, man, you know, it would be great to find a woman who can get with this and deal with it. But, you know, they just don't exist. And then I get emails from women saying, oh, I wish there were a guy who wasn't so possessive. And it's like, you know, you got to meet each other, you know, because there are both. Yeah. And I do think that, you know, yes, there's the norm, but you are working to try to, like, beat that and Mm. and experience like. You know, if you really devote your life to having like exceptional experiences, mm. I don't think you have to slip into like what the norms are right. in society. I never right. have. Right. I mean, especially that's... now that women are so empowered, you can choose what you want to be. You know, right. you, can, you can live in accordance with your nature, I guess, is the whole point of all yeah. this, right? Yeah, you don't want to be you're... going against your nature. Right. So if you're bisexual, be bisexual. Mm-hmm. If you're gay, be gay. If if it changes, let it change. Yeah. Whatever. You know, whatever is taking you deeper into yourself, that's the way you want to go. Totally. All right. That's all better right. than pissed and <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. That's Bye, awesome. Thank you. Bye. Said, baby, what's the big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm going to die one day. Why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation? Trying to meet an expectation Wondering what they're gonna say When everyone you ever know Said it for a headstone I don't wanna give the end away But we're gonna die one day Your body is an animal Doesn't ask for much A little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play Give it a rest You're gonna die one day Why do we waste our time Think about an obligation Running from a confrontation Wondering what we ought to say When everyone we ever know Sit for a headstone I don't wanna give the end away We're gonna die one day Smoke alarms will dance into the ground.